0: splitting a series with the Padres, I'm really not sure I could have come close to believing you. I mean, that's that's baseball, man. Sometimes David beats Goliath, sometimes Goliath turns out to have more than one fatal flaw. I mean, the Pirates are still what they are. Early season success means nothing more than a little fun the exception of paying attention to who did what. You know, are, are there important players for the future doing things, or are they pieces that you can move? What's going to happen with them? Whew. Good week, though, for the Byrts, I think. Welcome to the Fan Forum on DK Sports Radio, everyone, and thank you for tuning in every week. I'm your host, Gary Morgan, and I'm excited to get started today and to help me talk through some of the Bucko topics I've got on my mind. I've got my good friend, co-editor at Inside the Buck's Basement host of Bucks in the Basement podcast Craig Toth say hello how you doing everybody and next up one of our OG guests to the show here frequent twitter monster repping the 412 with reckless abandon he is of course Jim Stam say hello to your legion of fans
1: howdy how's everyone doing and uh I'm ready to chat some pirates
0: and you were already getting raw on Twitter about the Pirates a little bit, so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting week with you, I think. Let's <laughs> let's see. So uh, f- first of all, gentlemen, welcome back to the show. And uh, we're certainly coming off a positive week for Bucko fandom, I think. All in all, I mean, I'd like to start with uh, some of those important to the long term type players, specifically JT Brubaker. And Mitch Keller. Okay, <laughs> I'd like to talk about how their success affects the timeline for this team. You know, if Brew Baker and Keller are both successful, I think they they could probably move that timeline up a little bit. If only one of them is, or neither, boy, I think it's going to be a lot longer. You know, I mean, Craig, what do you think about this? Because I know you you kind of go back and forth on the timeline quite a bit as it is.
2: Yeah. I mean, I try to get people try to nail me down to the timeline, you know, all the time and say, like, okay, it's going to be 2023 going to be 2024. I've seen a lot of people compare, you know, 2023 to what we experienced in 2013 by actually making the playoffs, making it to the wild card. You know, I, I can't get on board with that uh, just yet, just because I mean, JT Brewbaker. The last time he pitched looked like I feel like JT Brubaker always looks. He attacks hitters. He's not afraid to pitch inside. He doesn't have the greatest stuff, but he knows how to use it. Mitch Keller, Saturday, you wrote the, uh, the write-up, Gary, I believe, for the site. And I was jealous because you got to write a Mitch Keller good game, which hasn't happened in a That's while. Right. And then today, you know, as we're recording this here, Mitch Keller uh, goes out and just just has a a terrible outing again. And this time it wasn't even about pitch location. It was about pitch execution. It was about getting, you know, he was leaving his curveball hanging too much. He was actually pitching within the zone. And maybe it was also the level of the competition because at least two or three times on the broadcast, it was brought up that they couldn't believe that the Padres hitters could get their hands, you know, on top of his, his rising fastball. Cause that rising fastball that usually shoots up, you know, 95 to 97, they can't catch up with uh, the Padres caught up with. So, I mean, I think you, every team's got scouts. Yeah. I, I don't think you need one of these guys to be successful or both of these guys to be successful, but it does absolutely mess with that timeline a little bit if neither one are successful. So that's kind of a cop-out answer, but uh, I,
0: I mean, first of all, he starts his response with I'm not going to commit to a timeline and then, (laughs) and then jostles about for a while landing on, I'm not going to commit to a timeline, which I completely understand. Ben's not either. So, Jim, why don't you take a crack at it? Maybe you'll be a little more bold on it.
1: Well, I mean, well, first of all, let's get uh, let's get Craig into some politics. I mean, that was that was a, a beautiful answer for from a politician standpoint. I don't. I would know. never wish that on somebody <laughs> I'm that close to. I, I I mean, I'll, I I'll
2: stick the podcasting. Yeah.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I I think you said it just right from the beginning there, which was, man, you just go back and forth a little bit on that, depending on the game or the series. Sometimes you start thinking, Oh, well, you know what? Maybe we, maybe, maybe if those two, um, are are coming along that you can bump it up a little. And then you see things like today and then you, boy, you, those, uh, those thoughts get, uh, pushed right back down. Um, I, I think I think everyone's getting a little bit ahead of themselves um, with just the fact that we would really need both of them you'd really have to have both of them um, find their way be consistent and take that you know next step especially Keller and uh, I mean I, I'm just not convinced that you're gonna get both both of them to that degree of uh, pitching uh, anytime soon. And certainly you've got to wonder a little bit, Brubaker's ceiling is, is, is only so high. Uh, I I, like, like you guys have already said, I mean, you you like the way he pitches, um, you like the way he attacks, but stuff wise, there's only so much he's going to be able to do. He's, he's never going to be able to go out and dominate a, a game to, neither, to, can, to,
0: neither can Kyle Hendricks though. You know, I mean, correct. You, you know, you can you can win multiple ways if he if he continues to display the kind of control he does. Sky's the limit. I mean, he can do the just control about is, anything
1: he wants to. do. Right. The control is everything, and um, you know he's got a good idea every at bat about how he wants to get a batter out. Um, so, boy, are we to the point where? We can feel a little bit more confident about Brubaker than Keller. I can't believe I'm even saying that, but right now, yeah, I, that's I mean, entirely possible.
2: I, f- I feel like Gary's been that way. I've been that at way least before for a little the bit, season,
1: right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, a little, for a little bit, a little bit of a while here. And I mean, I know people are probably tired of hearing my voice say this, but JT Brubaker was ahead of Mitch Keller in his development before he got injured um, in the minors. I mean, his, his minor league numbers weren't as astounding as, as Keller's. And most of that is because, you know, in baseball nowadays, a lot of times our eyes gravitate towards the strikeouts towards the K rates and the velocity and the velocity velocity, and everything. Definitely. Yeah. So it, it, it stays in, in those types of uh, those angles there. But I mean, before he got injured in 2019, Brubaker went out there, had a 257 ERA in, like, four starts and was pitching extremely well. Wasn't striking out a lot of guys, but also wasn't really walking anybody. I mean, I know that people have said that, you know, with the advanced metrics, there are certain ones that you don't want to watch or figure out or you know, watch as closely. But Gary knows how I feel about the whip. And that's where my mind and my brain usually always goes to because if you're not putting guys on, if you're not walking, if you're not giving up hits, then the likelihood of people scoring on you <laughs> is a lot less.
0: I think that was what was most impressive about his last start to me. He did walk people and, and he worked around it. That, that's been yeah. a hang up for him in the past. You know, he, he's been and it's becoming a common theme actually on the pitching staff, at least in the starting rotation when you put guys on base they lose all semblance of control um chad cole's very much like that jt Brubaker used to be like that it was really pleasant to see him not like that in the last game and um mitch keller it's hard to tell because he kind of starts out that way and stays that way and uh
1: even Brubaker, I mean, I'm looking right now. I, I, you know, he's still averaging in first career just over a strikeout per inning. So, I mean, granted, strikeouts have been watered down and whatnot, but um, you know, he's he he is still able to get guys out a lot of different ways. He's never going to be a power guy, but um, yeah, I. I Gary, you you have been on the brew baker train for a while. I just I I look at Keller and I just can't understand why we're to the point we are with him. And you do you tend to get a little bit caught up in all all the bells and whistles with him, but he just doesn't look like he has he knows he knows how to pitch right now. I'll tell
0: you what, with Mitch Keller, this is I don't want to I don't want to get into a Mitch Keller. Uh, <clears throat> session where three guys are sitting in a room trying to psychoanalyze somebody that (laughs) we've watched pitch a few times. But I will say, it's not a physical issue. He's, he's throwing the ball well. He's not locating. And is he locating it in an effort to avoid the strike zone so he doesn't get hit? Or is he just missing his spots? Either one of those can be worked on, but one of them is a mental issue and one of them is a fear of of a strike zone. I I don't know how else to put it. You hire a John (laughs) Baker. If you hire a John Baker, though, (laughs) that's his forte. I would hope that they have guys looking into things like that as well because somebody put on Twitter today even a still shot of him before he threw one pitch. And he just looked like a deer in headlights. I mean, that is not how you want to look before you throw your first pitch in a professional baseball game.
1: Yeah, there was a.
2: Go ahead, Craig. I was, no, I was just basically going to say, I mean, if he was afraid to get hit, today he got hit. So yeah. if that's part of the psyche, then some of that should should have gone away at least a little bit. And I feel like it it did to a degree in – I think it was about the third inning and he kind of looked like himself again. Mm-hmm. Or I should sit and say like himself. He looked like the pitcher that we want him to be. Um, but then once he started, you know, the first guy got a hit in the last inning he pitched. And then from there it was just like, okay – it's this is over if he if he walks the first guy or if he gives the first guy a hit, watch out that inning. If he doesn't, yeah. he, he seems to cruise.
0: It, I it's, it's almost like I trust the catcher until it doesn't work out.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was a point in time and, uh, you know, today just in that last inning where he physically when he got when he gave up a base hit and there were runners on, he physically put his head down when he was coming off the mound and I, I just, you could see the exasperation with him.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, I don't want to go too far into (laughs) trying to psychoanalyze what we're seeing on screen. I'm just, I guess I'm not in panic mode on, on Keller yet because I've seen young, talented, high velocity, high spin rate pitchers struggle to adapt their game to the major leagues. Things that worked in the minors don't work in the major leagues after a while. That high fastball doesn't get swung at 90% of the time. Like it does in triple A. It, it gets swung at 65% of the time. You know, that curveball that you bounce a foot in front of the plate doesn't induce a swing anymore. That curve, that, that slider that you miss by a foot and a half, it probably gets laid off. You know, they're, There's just little changes to the game that they force you into the zone. That's what hitters do. He's being forced into the zone. Eventually he's going to realize that has to happen. His ball has to take a path where it crosses the strike zone. That's it. He's going to get hit sometimes. He's going to get out sometimes. He just needs to trust that more often than not, it's going to result in outs. That's it. It's a lesson that has to be learned. And yo-yoing that kid back and
2: forth is not going to help. Yeah no, I mean sorry I just me, me, go ahead Jim I'll, <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you the right away this time. <laughs> no no it's fine.
1: I just I'll, I guess I'll put a, a bow on this from my end with you know the timeline uh, bringing it back. I think if if Keller's not there then the timeline cannot be moved up. Uh, I think Brew Baker's the bonus. And uh, but if Keller's not going to be um, who we thought he could be, uh, then uh, then you can't then you can't even entertain that scenario. And t- like I said, Brubaker to me is the guy that's kind of the, the, the cherry on top.
0: Yeah. If uh, if Keller doesn't make it, then you're basically saying like, OK, you. Yeah. You now have Priester and everybody else. Right. I get you. And I mean, just so somebody officially says a timeline here. <laughs> the way I always say it and and I, I think I've even written it this exact way I see 2022 kind of starting to be fun. 2023 maybe they're flirting with it. 2024 we're thinking about it you know and I, I think that's it's a really vague way of putting it but I think that's the way I see the progression. So I think 2024 is kind of realistic. 2023 I think you're going to enjoy the baseball team. Might even get fooled. <laughs> we'll see. It depends on how quickly some people progress, but um, that timeline that I just suggested right there doesn't happen if Keller and Brew Baker don't make it. So,
2: oh, not even close. I mean, right. not even close. I mean, and I know that everybody's like hanging their hats on the you know the, the Galihoo race to be stretched out, and I, I I like that dude too. And you know you got Rosie Contreras and all these arms that are coming in and coming through. But I mean, you even look at and I mean, a lot of people forget about Cody Bolton. But I mean, if you look at the, the Kellers and um, the Brubakers and before that, it was, you know, the Kinghams and, yeah, and look yeah. to see like how many of them have worked out. And this isn't even talking about old. I can't believe system. you didn't go all the way back to Lincoln. No. Oh God! (laughs) But it's it's not even like old school or new school, like of the pirates pitching. It's also just the fact that a lot of these pitchers don't work out, and when they do work out, sometimes it's on other teams, and sometimes it's on your team when they're like, you know, Carlos Rodon last night throwing a no hitter. You know, a guy who. Didn't even really make the team, right? <laughs> and and was given a pity signing back onto the team. Comes out and he's finally maybe something is clicking for him, and maybe he's just a guy that threw a no hitter and next and he won't come close to that again. But it's just it it's might just come amazing. up in
0: arbitration. Yeah, it's pretty possible it'll come up in arbitration. Yeah, but, it definitely will. I mean, and I think you know the the moral of the story really is when you talk timeline for the Pirates. And this is, you know, we'll, we'll take a quick break after this, but the timeline for the pirates follow the pitching. I mean, if you really want to know when they're going to compete, follow the pitching and don't, don't follow the ETAs that are on MLB.com or some, or fan graphs or whatever, really watch what's going on. Watch their progression. See when you actually think they're going to be there. See what's realistic. Um They all say two or three years. That's just not realistic. I mean, look at it with a critical eye and then you can really formulate what you think that timeline is. Let's take a break. That was deep. All right, welcome back. Um, Next topic on the table today for the Pirates, we're going to talk about something that I guess could be argued the answer is everything, because anything good for this team could be seen as unexpected. But that's what I want to talk about. What have you seen so far this season that was totally unexpected? And let's try to not be lazy and say results, because I think uh, I'm – obviously shocked they've won five games I really am Jim why don't you get us started anything that's really caught your eye
1: well you know I'll I'll tell you do do we have to stay positive because there's there's something that that has really uh, I've been a little disappointed with so far and and that would just be uh, the fundamentals this year that I thought we would see um, some turnaround it just whether it's whether it's the fielding whether it's the base running um, there's just been some really head scratcher stuff going on uh, I, I don't know how every year it seems to be that that's what we hear the focus is in spring training right
0: yeah every we're, year.
1: We're, <laughs> we're gonna work on fundamentals we're gonna work on on our base running We're not going to take ourselves out of innings. Um, And so far this year, I, you know, I've just been disappointed with, you would think for a team that's short on talent and let's be real honest, they're short on talent right now that you would be focusing and, and, and executing better on the defensive side of things. And just the simple um, what's the word I'm looking for the, the, the simple, Things you need to do on the base paths that they take yeah, like the extra
0: base or tag up. Extra,
1: Well, which ta- what game was that the other day where who didn't tag from third? Fowler, um, Fowler. It, I mean, you want to talk about just unconscionable. I mean, baseball. To, to just so you know, to illustrate
0: how how terrible and obvious and awful it was. We literally talked about this on the last podcast we did. (laughs) Did you really? (laughs) Okay. But I'm saying like that's how off. That's how terrible and obvious that was.
1: I mean, Gary, I I almost almost ripped out my hair when I saw that. I just I could not believe at that level of baseball. I, I mean, either he doesn't know what the outs are, or he just. Completely had a brain fart, I, but how? Those are the things where, if 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 we're watching the Pirates, they can't even they can't even handle that. I, I'm disappointed. I thought I thought we would see a buttoned up ball club on in, in those aspects, and I don't think I don't I, think they're anywhere near that. I could get on board with what you're
0: saying. I don't think it's been rampant. Uh, in other words, I don't think it's been all around the diamond. Bad plays like that. I think Frazier had a spell where he had a couple games in a row where he just made Yeah, some I was doofs. thinking of him too. Defoe, he's a spot player anyway. I don't know that I was expecting clean defense from him. I'm, I mean, I guess you should be since that's really the reason he makes the team, right? I mean, although I guess he didn't really make the team. So, I mean, you know, who knows what to expect from Defoe. Fowler and Alford, I mean, you're not going to hit. You better field. I think Fowler's done pretty well there. I haven't seen him make any gaps really out there. Um, the base running stuff, yeah, that's that's silly. I mean, <laughs> it cost them one run in, in a game they lost by, what, seven? So at the end of the day, I think there's been more positives than, than bad. But I, I do think there's been a few standout lack of performers, if
1: you will. Yeah, I just for me, it's one of those things where I really did buy into that this year. And I've, I thought even just with the uh, uh, personnel and roster that those are things that they would they could control that, and that they would do a better job of. And um, it hasn't been awful, but it hasn't been to the standard that I thought it would be.
0: Craig, anything really caught you off guard or did you soundly predict everything that's happened so far?
2: Um, there's, I mean, two players, it, it specifically sticks out in my head that are surprising me to a degree. Um, we'll go positive first. Uh, positive would be Colin Moran. Uh, yeah. I, I've been a pretty big Moran supporter and we all knew this like through the, the off season and everything where I really really, even before Josh Bell left somebody was asking me who do you see at first base and I just kept on saying Colin Moran and it, and it was even maybe if Josh Bell was still here I knew that probably wouldn't happen but I yeah. thought we would be I thought we'd be okay with Colin Moran And defensively I, I'm happy he's not going to be you know spectacular but he's going to be I think average to above average but the thing that's like surprising me the most about him is his actual approach at the plate. Like he's getting into some like 10, 12, 13 pitch battles with guys. He's showing a good eye. I mean, he's still getting the strikeouts because he's naturally like kind of trying to generate some more power, but there's other times where he is taking what's given to him. If there's like an open spot on the left side, he's, kind of following the you know the path of the ball and just taking you know it out to you know left field just to get a base hit his I feel like his approach has been you know so much different and so much better this year and it's showing up in like in for me and the overall is just like the on-base percentage type stuff of getting those walks that he wouldn't normally get and, and you know drawing yeah that getting, type of stuff he's getting the walks he's getting the the hits to the
0: opposite field and they're not just hits he's driving the ball to the opposite field that's that's really that's really what's impressive because he's hitting a lot of doubles as well and when he gets when he starts hitting a ton of home runs he's he gets pretty pull happy so i mean while i do think we need his power because there isn't anyone else really except for (laughs) blanco but i mean uh I I like what he's doing in the middle of the order. I think he's been a good anchor point. He's been the only thing that you could look at day in and day out in that lineup and go, yep, he's going to do good. And Philip Evans too, actually, you know, I'd honestly have to throw him in there. And while I don't think he's like part of the future necessarily, I, I have to respect what he's done so far. Um, That's probably my first surprise Philip Evans really surprising and I don't just mean like the silly numbers he has right now and I don't mean like we need to put his name in the rookie of the year race or anything like that but I mean I am surprised he really might be a piece he really might be somebody that's around here for a few years contributing in some way shape or form I I truly didn't think that I absolutely wrote him off Um, when they signed, uh, Frazier, I I absolutely thought he was done, you know, and, uh, boy, he shocked me. It shocked me that he made the team. It shocked me that he's done what he's done. And, uh, imagine anybody on this team preseason, basically making you not feel losing Cabrian Hayes for 10 days. I I couldn't have seen that coming. I mean, no matter what.
2: You mean Eric Gonzalez doesn't do that for you when you see him out there at third base, even though I do think that Egon is defensively is okay. And offensively is actually – I've always been kind of a little bit of a supporter of his, and it's not because of, like, the high-exit velocity or whatever. It's just that usually he gives you a good at-bat. Like, he's – He's He's had a decent,
0: he's had a decent start. I mean, he really has. And I mean, his numbers get got inflated with that grand slam right away, but I mean um, all in all, I mean, he's making pretty decent contact. I still think he strikes out a little bit too much for the type of hitter that they need him to be. Oh
2: yeah.
0: And uh, I think he's still glove first, but man, he's an excellent glove. He really is. Everywhere they put him, he looks like he's played there for 10 years. I mean, they threw him at first. He, he was stretching like any, any first baseman you could ever picture, you know, from history. He just, he looks so fluid no matter where they put him in the field. Even the few times they've tossed him in the outfield, he looks like he can handle it.
1: Speaking, I mean, of, that's speaking, of, str- speaking of stretch, how about that Philip Evans stretch the other day? Yeah, man, I, I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> where
0: did that come from?" Yeah, I mean, that was almost an IL trip stretch right there. I like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that didn't that didn't look like it felt too great. Um, I mean, at least he didn't have to stretch like the first baseman for the White Sox in that no header bid the other night. <laughs> that, oh goodness! Oh man, that looked painful too. I mean, whew. so. I mean, unexpected is, is just a word. I, I mean, I, I feel when I watch the team, I'm kind of I'm kind of not caught off guard that they're in a lot of games. I thought they might be. I thought the bullpen would help them look professional. I just worried like everyone else about the starting pitch and getting them there. So if anything, I guess I'm actually a little bit caught off guard that some of the starting pitchers like Brubaker and Anderson in particular have really kind of stepped up. (laughs) They're actually, they're actually holding it down a little bit. And uh, that, I didn't expect that. I really didn't. I thought they'd compete. I thought they'd keep you in a game, but they're straight up shutting people down for a while. And that's nice to have (laughs) I mean, very unexpected. when, When I looked at this team preseason, I thought, every game they won would be a bullpen battle.
1: Yeah, I Anderson to me, I kind of wrote him off um, even in spring training, which as we all know, spring training is spring training, good and bad, but um, he is somebody that when you watch him pitch, boy, is he a, is he a textbook lefty or what? Um, He's a crappy lefty, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he really is. You watch him and um, nothing is going to blow you away when you watch him or look at the, the radar gun or anything, but he he, he's switched. what Stephen Brot could turn into. Yeah. I would say that they're very much in the same vein style of pitcher. Um, but Tyler Anderson, he, he gets swings and misses. He works up and down in the zone. Um, he gets weak contact. I mean, he just is, if you're going to pull up lefty in the dictionary, it's not a power arm. I mean, that's the kind of guy you're going to see. Yeah. he shocked me though.
0: I I didn't see him pitching a game like he did against the Padres at all. No, no I, I really didn't. I thought, I thought this was going to be like a, a two, three runs is a really great outing from him. You know, I
1: totally, didn't,
0: ex- I, I didn't expect what I saw. And I mean, I didn't believe in Al Ford too much. Craig I know that you absolutely didn't believe in Alfred <laughs> I uh
2: I can't say I expected him to start out this bad well that's what I'm saying Gary like I I didn't believe that he was the center fielder of the future that some hoped he would be I'm not saying that anybody you know called that or whatever but I mean I looked at his numbers throughout the minors. I looked at his numbers when he's gotten to play. The guy just looks like a ball. He looks he's an athlete. He's an athletic freak. And he can probably play. I mean, seeing the catches he made in the outfield in spring training and everything, like but he's also the type of guy that if you have that build, I mean, you're probably looking to all you to do is hit like two forty and hit some bombs. I mean nobody's looking for you to hit like 300 or anything he just looks i feel bad for the guy he just looks absolutely lost out there and and to go along with spring training another player that looks absolutely lost out there is kevin newman kevin newman i did once again you're not looking at spring training stats and thinking this is one that shocks me because i wasn't looking at kevin newman's spring training batting average i was actually watching kevin newman's batting stance oh, and i was I know, watching his, i know
0: exactly where you're going here go ahead
2: and and the way that he was working his hands and he was like dropping them down and he was approaching it so much differently so i looked and i looked at also the contact he was making like he yeah he did get a couple of those you know cheapo you know kevin infield, specials yeah 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 where it's like, you know, I I hit it down the third baseline and I'm fast enough I can run it out. But, I mean, I saw him hitting, you know, nice little gappers to the opposite field. It wasn't all pools. It wasn't, you know. He was doing what Colin Moran is doing. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. From the other side of the plate. And I don't know how you back behind that guy most of this season and don't see exactly what he's doing, knowing that if either of the two of you are using that approach, you should be the one, and and just continue to watch it and not do anything about it. He just yeah, keeps yeah so, pounding the ball
2: into the ground. Yeah, so I'm not saying I I was looking for him to go back to like 2019, Kevin Newman, and you know hit over 300 or anything, but I was I was at least was thinking like you know, and it may turn out to be towards the end of the season or something. I know it's like super early but I figured he'd be along the same lines of, you know, most of like a, you know, Stallings or whoever is right now batting between like, you know, two seventy and 300 and, and, you know, just getting some pretty good hits and doing whatever. Like I never saw him just absolutely. Like you said, just bashing the ball straight into the ground. Like the one he almost beat out today, it, he hit it. Like, and it went straight down. It hit like, honestly like three feet in front of home plate. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? He's not getting his hands down. He's not dropping him down and getting at least even contact with the ball. He's just swinging straight down, I, almost like a tomahawk. I honestly, shot.
0: I honestly think once Hayes comes back, I know, um, you know, we we're not going to get into who they're going to cut or anything, but I do think once Hayes is back, that it's another quality infielder. I think we're probably going to be looking at Kevin Newman sitting for a couple games um, and going and do some cage work, just like Polanco did it almost has to happen at some point yeah. here. Right. Because, I mean, he was too good this spring and I, and again, the average is the average, but it was the approach, the contact, the, you know, everything about his approach in spring training was, was dead on. It wasn't about what type of pitches were being thrown. It wasn't just that he was getting all fast balls. He, he was hitting everything and to the opposite field with authority. That's something that I think uh, they want all the players to do more of. We've seen Brian Reynolds start to adopt it a little bit more, too, in the last few games. And Kevin Newman is a perfect candidate to sit for a couple days when you have that extra infield help. Oh, absolutely. I think that's what we can look for.
1: He just hasn't been in a position. They haven't been in a position to do that, you know, being shorthanded and whatnot. Um, They could,
0: but, like – then you might have a day where you have to have Alfred and Fowler in the outfield at the same time. Ouch. I mean, you can't afford to do it the way they're, they're hitting. So it's a, it's a, it's a difficult situation right now because I think that, you know, they, they think the best way to get him going is to just let him hit his way out of it. And I do see that, but I also think, what Craig is, is pointing to is, is just a fine tuning that needs to take place with his swing. He's on time. He's just not on plane. I mean, that's, that's an adjustment they can make and, and an adjustment we've seen Eckstein make with that player in particular in the past. So I'd really like to see them them kind of take the time they need to get him right. But Anything else that we're excited about, or are we good to go on this subject? I think we've pretty well covered everything that I wanted to. No, I'm good. I'm good, man. Well, let's take another quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about our own psyches as fans. Segment today, I really wanted to take a little bit of time to just kind of try to understand what is going on in this fan base. What Joe Musgrove coming back to town sparked a plethora of people pining for players that haven't been Pirates in years coming back and forming these magical starting rotations that we could have had somehow. Even throwing out like possible. Musgrove-Cole combinations, ignoring entirely that we traded Garrett Cole to get Musgrove, ignoring entirely that Garrett Cole's contract would have long, long expired by now in Pittsburgh. It's time to stop complaining about trades from the past regime. We're on to the new guys. We now have new players to enjoy. Does anybody understand this phenomenon? In, is it just a Pittsburgh thing? I, I've lived elsewhere. I've never seen it. Jim, what do you
1: think? Yeah, you know, I've lived other places as well. Um, it's not to this extent. Um, but, you know, pirate fans have been through a lot. So, I, you know, maybe just all reasoning is just completely out the window at this point. It's a little PTSD. Um, for folks, Steelers they, fans don't do it. No, but they but the, but you have some Lombardies to massage you back into a comfort zone, and, and a lot more winning. Okay, I'll they, tell you what, Penguins fans do it though. Well, hockey is pe- hockey yeah. fans are insane, <laughs> insane. So, I mean, let's just let's just uh, establish that right now. Um, I I I I think it's just more the fact that. People just, it's just another n- name that they've had to wave goodbye to. And they just keep adding that up to the total and kind of disregard the logic behind it. And yeah. you just, you just, there's a large portion of the fan base that likes to complain to complain. I try to give them a little grace, but it does get to be a little much now when we are still talking about. I mean, my goodness! The other day, what was the name that I heard someone bring up? That it was Chris Benson. I mean, we are are, are we not past Chris Benson? I point? honestly,
0: I honestly miss his wife more. Oh, we all do.
2: <laughs> we all do. Craig, so, so does Craig, so does you, the entire Mets team, I believe. I think, at that
0: point in time, and and the Howard Stern show, and yeah. <laughs> but Craig, I know you are you like me we have crossed over into a threshold where we now are people getting yelled at that we should have kept players. So I'm sure this, this hits close to home for you. <laughs>
2: oh, and, I get, and I get, and I also get yelled at for yelling at people for <laughs> saying that we should have kept players. So, I mean, we've gone to that point now, no, where, where I was going with this. And I told you guys beforehand that I had a lot on my mind about this One of the biggest things is like, okay, once Joe Musgrove leaves, now he's good. And it's like, no, Joe Musgrove was good toward the end of last year. Is it possible that the new guy that we have in here, Oscar Marine, who he worked with last season is possibly, you know, part of the reason why he's this good this year, why his curveball is this good. Gary, I remember sitting down with you last spring training. We were at 412 Brewery and we sat down and we said, Man, does Musgrove's curveball look so much different? Look at the life on that yeah. thing. And that was last spring training. That well, wasn't even, after he went to San Diego. Even, uh, that wasn't even
0: right after we talked about that. Uh, Alex Stumford, at one of his uh, mound visits on Joe Musgrove's curveball. So yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, I don't really get along with and and now it gets even piled on even more that it's like, okay, Keller's only gonna be able to figure out when he leaves because Glass now figured it out. And all this stuff, like, I honestly, I really don't get it. I mean, if it is something that basically, it's at some point in time, you're saying, like, you know, we need to let this go because these guys aren't here anymore. Other places, I'm saying we need to let this stuff go because, number one, it was the previous regime. And number two, we need to let this stuff go because, you know, it might not work out for Ben Sherrington, but he got what he got based on what they could show from Joe Musgrove that other people couldn't show yeah, like Joe a very Musgrove limited before, amount of
0: time last season too. I mean, let's not forget he was injured for most of that 60
2: games. So, and, and don't, and do not ever, like, people will say, we shouldn't let Jamison Tylen go. Well, to tell you the truth, honestly, Jamison Tylen's actually kind of lucky that the pirates let him hang around for as long as they did during this last Tommy John, where they basically brought them, brought him with them on the 40 man to work at the alternative sites and stuff like that. And this is that's where it's like, and I want Jamison Tylon to be good. And I'm happy for Jamison Tylon. But the pirates didn't have to when Ben Sherrington came in, Jamison Tylon wasn't his dude. Yeah. They had they had they could have let him go at arbitration time, but no, both times they worked with him because they didn't know what they were going to have this time. They didn't know what they're going to have last time. And both times they worked with him and actually paid him. So, and once again, I'm still thinking the things, if Jamison Tan does great this year, that's great. But I also still look at what Ben Charrington got for a guy who hadn't pitched in forever.
0: Yeah. And I'll chalk that up to um, probably just having foresight. I mean, I, I don't think he was blind as to what he might be able to net for him. I mean, that, we got a heck of a haul from the Yankees for him. Way more than I ever thought they'd get. I, I got to imagine that they, they had done their due diligence before they invested that time rehabbing him, as you said, you know, knowing that they were probably going to get something pretty decent in return for him.
2: Yeah. So for me, it's just it's, some of the stuff just needs to be let go because it's from a previous regime. And and some of the stuff right now needs to be let go because like, I think that we actually, in those two instances, help the guys get to where they're at right now. So to say a guy goes and he automatically becomes good or we shouldn't let go of Jamison Town because, you know, he is good. I was honestly one of those people that said, I love Jamison Town, but I don't know if we can hang on to him because I don't know if he can last a full season. I mean, just because of the yeah, injuries right. and stuff. So... I mean,
0: it was a big risk to take. I mean, if you if you take it into the season, knowing you're probably going to end up having to move him before his contract expires, anyway, it's a risk. And they and got a great God, return.
2: And please God, if somebody could bring up a Trevor Williams again, that's what really set me off in those <laughs> comments of like wanting and pining for Trevor Williams to come back, which everybody knows that Trevor Williams has me blocked, and he has me blocked for a reason, and rightfully so. I was a jerk, but. I'm also right in the fact that he's a good dude. I supported his project 34. He's a great dude. Seems like an awesome guy. Would like to have a beer with him. He's
0: He's a great guy. He's a great, a great guy. He's just, he's He's block happy. So are his catchers. Fortunately for him.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Because he's, he's the one year where he was good. He was getting the chases from the slider outside of the zone because they really hadn't seen that action from that slider before. Now what do you do when you see that slider? You don't swing. Well come to, back to the,
0: suffice to it, say, you don't want Trevor Williams on your team. No. I think and I wrote probably 20 articles last year, you know basically pronouncing him dead so i don't need to go over his stats again i'm i'm good and it turns out too the game i went to i ended up sitting there watching trevor williams pitch for the cubs
2: (laughs) and get beat around
0: yeah (laughs) but i mean uh i mean this 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 conversation goes the opposite direction too you have the people that can't ever hear anyone mention the players that have been traded because they're gone and dead i mean i hear things like that too like you're not even supposed to mention joe musgrove coming back to town like it's not a story at all how you know that's not the pirates oh come on he just he just left it it it's the pirates i mean there's got to be some kind of rule on both ends of this like if the guy's worthy of a tribute video he's worthy of being talked about if the guy is you know um gone and you are actively rooting for a player that came back in return I think it can stop you know I'm really happy Brian Reynolds is part of this baseball team I'm done complaining about Kutch I you know I'm really happy that Colin Moran is doing well I'm done complaining about Cole you just have to like find some way to move past it your hurry works out you can stop complaining about Tyon I mean, that's kind of how it works. It's just you forget what you got back in the five years it takes to develop somebody sometimes.
1: Yeah, look, let's be honest. It, it It's a traumatized fan base <laughs> over the years. So I think what you've got is you've got, you know, an older crowd, sometimes uh mixed in with with a younger crowd and you're getting some very very uh diverse takes about the pirates. And it's just it, it's just one of those things where um some of the fan base probably a little just addicted to complaining at this point. Um it's almost gotten to be part of being a pirates fan's DNA or maybe it's just a little bit of a um a protection mode against the 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 growing pains and the heartbreak that's, yeah. you know,
0: if I, if I say coming. every day the, the world is ending, you know? Yeah.
1: Not, yeah. Yeah. And you guys, you guys are really on that end catching the brunt of it because, you know, um, as a fan, you can kind of pick and choose what you're reading and what you're listening to, but you guys are getting that feedback and it's just const a constant complaining and a negativity that, doesn't really serve any purpose. And like you said, Gary, a lot of this is from the previous regime who we've established at this point that it di- they, they, they didn't know what they were doing at the end of it. And that's well-documented. Sherrington seems to have a better idea of what's going on. But there's a portion of this fan base that's just going to chalk it up to, no matter who it is, no matter what the player is, no matter what the decade is, it's just more of the same.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, everything you say is absolutely true. And I understand the emotions of sports. I, I definitely root for, for players that are here. I root for the jersey first. I and mean, that's just the way I am. I'm wired that way. It doesn't mean that I don't miss Garrett Cole. It doesn't mean that I don't miss Andrew McCutcheon. It just means that. I don't have to um, constantly revisit the circumstances of their exit. I, I understand the, what I'm watching. I know the players that I'm enjoying right now, some of them won't be here in five years. I, I mean, to me, I guess I've just embraced that that's baseball culture right now, especially in this market. And if you're going to try to ingest baseball in this market, you're going to have to just realize that buying jerseys is really a bad investment. It really is. And if every ball you have that has a signature has to be for a player that never left the pirates, go throw them all in the river right now. That's just the way it is. I I wish it was different, (laughs) but it's not. So if you want to watch baseball, watch baseball, watch the players that are there right now and enjoy what you're watching.
2: Yeah, especially, Gary, when it's gotten to the point where, I mean, even the big name teams like the Red Sox and stuff are getting rid of players that you thought would have been, you know, lifetime players like a Mookie Betts. Yeah, total, you know? total
0: youth movement.
2: Yeah, or, you know, that or the, you know, the Indians thinking, you know, if I got a Lindor jersey, I was set for, yeah. you know, the rest of my life. So, I mean, I, I think that other fan bases are experiencing what we've been experiencing forever to a certain degree. But I also think that it's you're going to see a lot more of this um, around baseball, around yeah. baseball, not just with Pittsburgh. And I think that we've kind of just been the the dumping ground for a while for those types of comments and that those types of situations. Yeah.
0: Like I think a lot of people would be happy if we had a Christian Yellich, for instance. You know, like that—that's Milwaukee's model. They they rebuild around one star. It's what they do. They did it with Braun last time. They're doing it with Yelich this time. Last time they picked somebody who messed around with PEDs. This time they picked somebody with a back problem. It's going to it's gonna plague both of them their whole career and make their investment kind of suck by the end. That's just the way it is. But the fans got a star. That's what they want. Some fans here, they'd be happy with that. They'd be happy if we still right now had Andrew McCutcheon as the best player on our team. We had extended him another 10 years and took him to his age 40 season and expected him to be the same hustling dude that he was when he came up, you know, there's a lot of fan bases that are happy with that star model. I'm not, I want championships (laughs) and I, we haven't seen one. I haven't seen one ever. So it's not as though I'm, I'm looking back to something I've experienced. I just think this is the only way to get there. That's my even two cents anyway. <laughs>
1: even the even the Padres, I mean, if their fans are thinking that Tatis and Machado are going to be there for the duration of these deals, I mean, I, I've got news for them. That's not happening. So um, even the way they're trying to go about it, there's not going to be that long, longevity there that I think some people are, are expecting now. So baseball's just changed dramatically in that regard over the last – even the last five years
0: yeah it's true i mean it's crazy how 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 different career arcs even are right now you're seeing a lot more players start out when they're 22 you know and they're they're done with their original team by the time they're 28 29 i mean that's that's a completely different animal so i mean it's not that i enjoy it any less you're still getting that same span of time from your players it's just it's something that I think baseball fans in general have to start to accept the NBA. I mean, I watch I watched that from the sidelines. We don't have an NBA team here, but the NBA seems to just kind of shuffle players all around the league all the time. And I'd imagine most of the fan base seems to be pretty supportive of that. It, it seems like they're chasing championships. They're building super teams all over the place. I don't know. It it seems to be fine there. Hockey does it all the time. Trade deadline deals for veterans that have played someplace for 14 years. Look, we just got Carter. So, I mean, (laughs) it, it happens in every sport. It's just in baseball, for some reason, the emotion just gets ticked up like a
2: thousand percent. And I think that, you know, kind of what, you know, Jim had said to bring, bring it back was just without the success, it hits a little bit differently. Like if we would have say won the World Series in 2013, 14 or 15, I don't know if we would have had the same feeling. I mean maybe we would have if you know after then that Cole wasn't here anymore or McCutcheon wasn't here it may have it may have hit a little, hit us a little bit differently and I, and I think that might be kind of the piece of it where we're passionate to a fault in either direction. Yeah. I mean,
0: I guess passion's better than don't care, right? So, I mean, it is good that we hear about people being frustrated or or I think it would be worse for the team, to be honest.
1: I think, but, Craig, that's an excellent point you brought up about had there just been that complete breakthrough in one of those years, people would have been able to – that that would have satisfied some people. You'd still have people complaining because that's just how that's just how fans are. Yeah. We don't have the Royals
0: be, or White Sox.
1: Yeah, you know it buys you some grace. And I mean, I, that's why I always laughed even about with the Red Sox and they finally had Bill Buckner back and honored him at a game. Well, guess what? They had just won the World Series and Bill Buckner came back and everything was great. <laughs> I don't think Bill Buckner comes back if the Red Sox still haven't won the World Series, right? Did, I mean, didn't the Cubs was, do
0: the same thing with that that guy that caught the foul ball? I can't remember his name right now. Steve Hartman. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I yeah, think they right, had him the,
0: back right after the World Series, too.
1: Right. It's the same thing, which is, hey, you win it. Everything can be forgiven. Everybody feels okay. Big kumbaya hug. But we're, the, the this fan base hasn't had that part of the healing process and so here we are
0: i it's 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 kind of it kind of feels like a depressing note to end on that you're going to lose your players and everything but i don't think it has to be that way i do think this new um, management group does have a a slightly different way of going about it they look like they're very interested in doing some extensions so i think we We really could be looking at it at a completely new way to pirate fan in the future. I just think it's maybe time to live in the present a little bit as a fan base, but guys, we have, we have had a long, good conversation about baseball. I think it's time to put a stop to it for this week and jump back in next week with more. So uh, before we jump off here, Craig, why don't you tell people how they can get a hold of you?
2: Um, you can find me at Bucks Basement on Twitter, Bucks in the Basement on Facebook, I, the my podcast Bucks in the Basement's all over Apple, Spotify, everything, and of course uh, Gary and myself right at Inside the Bucks Basement. I check out our you know lovely post game articles whenever I'm mad and hate the team and I just pretty much complain <laughs> about everything.
0: Yes, and Jim. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, sir.
1: Man, I am Twitter all the time. It is for the city underscore 412 and we're at Jim Stam22. Um Pitt, Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, love to talk sports, love to interact with everybody. So give me a follow if you want.
0: And I'm Gary. Uh GaryMO2007 on Twitter. Um Facebook, Gary Morgan. But I prefer Twitter, if I'm being honest. So look me up there and we'll talk. Till next week, everybody, thank you.